If you're smart, you'll drink imbecile wine. Welcome to the Common Errors in English Usage Podcast. I'm here with Paul Bryans, author of the Common Errors in English Usage website and book. I'm the editor of that book and host of this weekly podcast, Tom Sumner. Well, hello, Paul. Hi, Tom. Paul, it's been a while since we recorded a fresh podcast. We've been uh, running some podcasts from the archives, and uh, we've been away. It's summertime, so we like to get out and do other things besides sit and record podcasts. But after a certain while, we have to scratch that itch and get back behind the microphone, right? (laughs) Right. While we were away... There was a piece that ran in the New York Times. This has been a few weeks ago now. Um, but I thought it was very relevant to common errors in English usage. Uh, the title of this opinion piece was Trump and the True Meaning of Idiot. Right. Now, of course, we don't take a political stance, but this was a poll, a scientific poll that was conducted. And uh, in this poll by... Uh, I'm not sure I pronounced it right. Quinnipiac University poll. I guess they are a polling institution. I think they used to say Quinnipiac, but I'm not sure. Quinnipiac. Okay. I don't know. I may, I may not be right about that. I do not have a pronunciation guide. And we will leave that in, <laughs> all of this in, for the listener to figure out which one of us has it right. But they ran a poll uh, on Trump approval rating. And then they asked the people in the poll what word they would use, what word comes to mind when they think of Donald Trump. And the number one, by a fair amount, actually, the number one word, apparently this was unprompted, was the word idiot. He's an idiot. (laughs) This prompted the writer. This was a piece by Eric Anthematon, and I believe I'm pronouncing that correctly, I hope. But um, this prompted him to write about what is the meaning of the word idiot and how does it apply actually to Donald Trump? And he took a little detour into etymology and talked about it came from Greek. And in Greek society, the condition of idiocy was seen as a peculiar and strange somebody who was isolated and selfish because you think of the ego and the id, right? The id is related to the self. So this, this word relates to a kind of a self-absorption. And that is what an idiot is. If you go back to the etymology of the word, it relates to somebody who is self-absorbed and not engaged in the social order, um, who's isolated in that way. Well, that got me thinking about this health care bill a little bit. And um, this is one of Trump's big agendas right now. And uh, you and I were talking about how we think that the Senate bill that's being proposed right now on health care isn't really paying attention to the social good. Is that about right? Right. It has more to do with the desire to cut taxes and shrink the government, which doesn't really follow through to say, well, what does this mean for the country? What does it mean for voters? Trump said he wanted something uh, less mean and more generous than the House bill, but he seemed to be perfectly happy to get something that was much meaner and less generous. So um, hard to know what make of that if you're using logic. 
Well, he has said, uh, promised on the campaign trail, that he wanted something that would provide better coverage for less cost to the average person being insured. And theoretically, that seems to show somebody thinking about the public good. That's the theory. (laughs) Theoretically, yes. But when it comes right down to it, (laughs) the focus comes back to this, uh, government is bad, taxes are bad, shrink it, cut it. Well, you can't have both. I guess in a way you can't really have both. If you want to shrink the government and shrink taxes and make everything an individual responsibility, you are not going to get inexpensive health care. You're not going to get cost efficiency in your health care because health care is run as an insurance program. And this is true not just for the United States, but this is true for those famed institutions of, you know, Canadian uh, single payer insurance and most European health insurance programs are run this way where the government is the insurer and they are run as insurance programs and everybody has to be involved to spread out the costs so that if I have a thyroid condition that requires me to be on medication for the rest of my life, uh, that medication can be at a reasonable cost and the cost is borne by somebody more fortunate in their health (laughs) who doesn't have conditions, but they still have to pay for the insurance in case they do have some calamity hit them down the road. And um, it has an inherent sort of factor to it where you need to think about the broader society if you're going to be thinking about health care. But if you go back to the word idiot, uh, that would imply somebody who has no is not really reflecting about freedoms in that way. They're strictly thinking about the freedoms that would be involved if you had nothing but, uh, you know, your taxes cut down to nothing and, and you just had to pay for everything on your own dime. In ancient Greece, and especially in uh, the Athenian democracy, participation was very important. Now, that participation was only extended to a minority of the population. These were native-born male Greek descended, free, that is not slaves, uh, so maybe 20% of the population. But those people were expected to really participate in things, even at trials where the juries would consist of hundreds of people. So uh, Idiotes was a person who did not participate in society because he had nothing particular to add. And also it was assumed he was an untalented person who kept to himself We actually derived it uh, not directly from the Greek, but from Latin, where idiota had the same meaning, an ordinary person or a layman, and gradually became to mean an uneducated or ignorant person. And so that transition took place after Greek in in the Latin use of the word. Uh, The modern meaning and form of idiot dates back to Middle English around the year 1300, it comes from old French, idiot, which had that late Latin meaning of uneducated or ignorant person. Now, in Hellenistic Greek, it could be something a little bit different. It could be a person without professional knowledge, a layman, an ignorant, ill-informed person. Uh, in later Hellenistic Greek, a common man, a plebeian, an ordinary person, a layman, an amateur, private individual. So it wasn't always aimed at saying that somebody is stupid who's an idiot, but simply who is 
either untalented or ill-informed or just not participating in the larger culture. Now, in post-classical Latin, it also was used sometimes to mean a recent convert to Christianity, so somebody who didn't really understand all the ins and outs of Christian belief. It then became, uh, by the 12th century in English, one of the words to indicate what is called a fool or a jester, these people who were kept around and either thought to be mentally deficient or just very clever in seeming to be silly, um, who were entertainers in uh, noble households. If you were wealthy, you would have a fool around, and sometimes these people were called idiots. Uh, most often, you'd find them called fools instead. Shakespeare has lots of references to fools like this. And then from the 13th century on, uh, we also get it meaning someone with mental deficiencies. And it eventually got uh, written into legal language by psychiatry. Uh, and here's the definition that uh, prevailed for a while. It's now obsolete. A person so profoundly disabled in mental function or intellect as to be incapable of ordinary acts of reasoning or rational conduct. Specifically, a person permanently so affected as distinguished from one with a temporary severe mental illness. The word idiot, of course, is nothing but an insult now. And medical professionals don't use the term anymore. But there was a time when it was considered an actual diagnosis. You're talking about that definition from law and psychiatry. Is that related to this? Um, they used to apply these terms to levels on the IQ scale? Yes, yes. Uh, this is thankfully quite outdated and outmoded by now. But depending on where your points landed on your IQ test, you could be defined as a moron or an imbecile or an idiot, and they were not all the same thing. Right, right. I don't think the general public ever paid much attention to these fine points, but... Yeah, well, thankfully, yeah. Yeah, that was kind of a tortured thing. And, and generally, this whole field of synonyms for idiot is fraught with uh, really unpleasant meanings and insults. And um, polite people generally try to avoid it. And sometimes when tempers are up and actions are extreme, uh, the word idiot comes flying out. It's certainly been flung around by both Trump haters and Trump himself of their opposite numbers. Sure, yeah. Well, uh, shall we talk about some of these other terms? They also have interesting etymologies. We more or less use them as synonyms right. these days, you know, an idiot or an imbecile or moron or something. But let's talk about some of these other ones. Right, an imbecile, the I am on the front is one of those negative prefixes that would indicate something lacking. And it was from a French word directly brought into English without any change, except in pronunciation, uh, meaning feeble in body or mind. So an imbecilic person could be simply handicapped in some way that uh, weakened their body, not necessarily the mind. Um, a citation from 1599 in the OED is uh, interesting. It was from a medical book, and it was talking about uh, what should be done with persons who uh, might be vulnerable to strong drink. He may drink very small and imbecile wines and take heed of all manner of strong wines whatsoever. Hmm. 
So an imbecile wine was not one that made you stupid, but one that was weak. Weak, yeah, yeah. So that's a good one. You, if you're smart, you'll drink imbecile wine. So theoretically, uh, since im is one of those negating forms, there would have been a bacille, meaning associated with strength or something. Yeah, I don't know for sure what that is. But by the 18th century, it came to refer to mental weakness. But it has that sense of weakness in it. And idiot is more insulting in a way because, in its origins anyway, because it almost uh, indicates a choice that a person has made not to engage. Whereas uh, simply a weakness that you can't help is imbecilic. But those distinctions disappear in modern usage, of course. Yeah. Uh, well, one of the terms that I remember reading, I only know this one, I think. It's only in my vocabulary because of Mad Magazine. And I think Mad Magazine writers thought this one was, because it is not really contemporary and we don't really use it, I think they thought it was a safe zone uh, as an insult. It was uh, the word cretin. Right. Hardly anybody gets called a cretin anymore. Yeah, Cretan in American English, Cretan in British English. Mm. And this one's interesting. It started off as just a form of the word Christian. Ah. And if you look at the late Middle Ages, um, there is a tendency to use the word Christian as a synonym for person. It kind of assumed they sort of overlooked the Jews in their midst. And, you know, you, she was the most handsome Christian, could be... A statement she was a pretty woman and have nothing to do with her religious beliefs. But Cretan in that form came to mean that it was sort of a human being, uh, but they were so lacking or had various problems mentally and physically uh, that they were hard to distinguish from animals. So they were not fully Christian, that is, in the sense of being Homo sapiens. Uh, it's got associated for some reason by people with goiters, hmm. which I, I don't understand the connection, why they would suppose those people were stupid. Uh, but uh, that's evidently something that disappeared long ago in the past. But yeah, in the older writing, you'll often find also the form cretinous, mm -hmm. meaning stupid. Yeah. I hadn't known that that was related to Christians, so that's a pretty interesting word origin there. How about moron? Where do we get moron? Um, it's from a Greek word uh, meaning foolish or stupid, so it hasn't changed a lot. Uh, but in Greek, it was an adjective rather than a noun. So we use the word moronic when we want to get an adjective. Uh, it was used for a while as a technical term for a mild mental disability, uh, what used to be called retardation, mental disablement. So not as strong as an imbecile. And um, the term was first adopted and given this meaning by the American Association for the Study of the Feeble-Minded in 1910. It's now generally avoided in technical contexts. And here's the formal definition that's arrived at in 1910. A person with mild mental retardation, specifically with an IQ of between 50 and 70. Well, of course, we just mentioned a few minutes ago, those are long gone, that scale of, you know, this is a moron, this is an imbecile, depending on where you fall on the IQ test. But, uh, of course, the words remain as slurs about uh, intelligence. 
And retardation in itself has gone through an interesting evolution. That was meant to be sort of a polite form, as implying that the person was, uh, as people used to say, a little slow, mm -hmm. that uh, the mental development had not kept pace with what was normal, and so they were retarded, held back a bit. But it was used so much as an insult, particularly in America, with in the shortened form retard, that um, it became totally unacceptable. And now it's usually you would call uh, developmentally disabled, something like that, which really means the same thing. Yeah, and I'm a little disappointed at the word retard. Um which was uh, relegated to the don't ever use school. I mean, when I was growing up, it was really off limits. And it's blossoming again. It's really unfortunate. Yeah. And there are people defending it, you know, and, and criticizing people who object to the word as being oh, politically correct and so on. There's a lot of that poison going around. Right. And we've talked about politically correct language in other podcasts. Um Maybe I'll try to link to some of those. There's a reason for being PC. I don't care what people say. You know, I think it's uh, I think there's value in it and having some language that's off limits and considered to be offensive and should be offensive to all of us. Well, I think we could all benefit from the medical oath. First, do no harm when you're speaking to people. There you go. Try not to hurt their feelings. And if makes them feel bad to hear themselves called retard and eliminate that from your vocabulary. Some people just think it's funny, but. So uh, childhood slang, you have some childhood slang here, stupid head. <laughs> this is one that I just see uh, kids in comic strips using. Yeah. He said, you're a stupid head. It's just one of those childish formations that I don't think an adult would put together. Uh, yeah, it goes along with poopy head and, <laughs> Stuff, like that. Yeah, seems fairly benign. Uh, it implies that you're being a stupid head at the time, that you are not generally mentally deficient, but don't be a stupid head. It actually um, first appears in print in uh, Charles Dickens' novel Oliver Twist, where one minor character, an adult, says to another, think it's the same boy, stupid head? Oh, my gosh. And it's hyphenated there. You usually see it today as one word. Aha. So Dickens came up with that, huh? Okay. Well, I don't know if he came up with it. He might have heard it sometimes, but it's the first time it found its way into print. Right, right. Well, we've got another one here, Simpleton. That's one you don't hear a lot of. Yeah, that's pretty dated. Simple has gone through some really interesting changes and it had a host of meanings, so I'm not going to try to talk about all of them at all. But originally, a person who was simple was free from duplicity, dissimulation, or guile, innocent and harmless, undesigning, honest, open, straightforward. So yeah, it was, could be a compliment to be called simple. And then also free from, devoid of pride, ostentation, or display, humble, unpretentious. And most people are familiar with this meaning of the word simple from the Shaker hymn, "'Tis a gift to be simple." Mm -hmm. um, we have some friends we were traveling with on vacation who are very into things Shaker, particularly the furniture. And we visited the uh, Shaker settlement and uh, Simplicity was, it was interesting in that uh, 
they wanted to get away from ostentation, but they were also interested in doing things excellently. So their craftsmanship was noted not only for clean lines and lack of ornamentation, but for extreme polish and, and being everything extremely finely done. And that's why they're valued so much. It occurred to me that the modern glorification of Shaker's style probably is a product of modernism. I doubt very much that, uh, say, in 1925 or so, people would look at those things and think, oh, what elegant, beautiful, simple lines. You know, that was really not the way people thought about beauty back then. Uh, it took modernism to come along and, and glorify the idea of reducing things to the, their simplest elements. And now uh, old shaker chairs can be sold for very large sums. And, um, their craftsmanship is much admired. In some ways, uh, Simpleton could be, since we don't really use it very widely to call somebody a simpleton as an insult on their intelligence, if you take a step back, there's an element to it that could be seen as a compliment. Right. You're a simpleton? Well, yes, I'm not trying to overcomplicate the matter. I don't ever think the form of ton on the end was used positively, but certainly, yes. Right. No, I'm not. I'm taking that a little step further than I should probably. But okay. but I'm just I'm just saying that uh, not everything that is implied of the word simple is necessarily bad. Things that can be simple should be simple. Uh, things that are more complicated. OK, let's apply a little more thought. Let's reserve our heavy thought processes for the things that need to be complex. Sounds like strunk and white. <laughs> OK. <laughs> um, but. From the late Middle Ages on, simple could also mean uneducated, foolish, or stupid. So that's where simpleton comes from. Right, yeah. Now, there's a whole bunch of terms that refer to the head in one way or another. The head containing the brain, of course. And uh, people being thick-skulled is uh, a common idea that's associated with stupidity of some sort. And one of them that's really pretty old and not used much anymore at all, but you find certainly in Shakespeare, clotpole. Now that could be spelled different ways. Shakespeare spells it in three different places. C-L-O-D-D-E hyphen P-O-L-E, C-L-O-T hyphen P-O-L-E, and no hyphen, C-L-A-T-P-O-L-E. Um, Spelling was notoriously unstable at Shakespeare's time, and so it, it had a different things. But uh, a clot is the same thing. We think of blood clots mostly now. It's the same thing as a clod, really. The two words come from the same roots. Uh, and so a clot of soil, a divot, if you will, a lump of any solid matter, a clot of earth. Um, so your head is like just a lump of dirt is what's being uh, suggested if you're a clot pole. Mm -hmm. That one pretty much died out. I was unfamiliar with it. Another one that you see occasionally still is the dodo, which in our environmentally sensitive days, I don't think most of us would like to use. We tend to admire extinct species and wish they were around more. But uh, the people who discovered the Didus ineptus, that is the inept Dido, which was discovered on the island of Mauritius, 
had this massive clumsy body and very small wings that it couldn't use to fly with. And that was considered by the sailors and early explorers that found it to be uh, pretty stupid because they could chase them down and butcher them. And they did to the extent that they killed every last one of them. Um, and it came to mean a dodo was an old-fashioned, stupid, un inactive, or unenlightened person. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, unfortunately, the, not only their clumsiness, but their extinction gives rise to an expression, dead as a dodo. So when the dodos were all gone, and you could call somebody a, dead as a dodo. Right. The name dodo itself means simpleton or fool. It comes from a Portuguese word. It was Portuguese sailors that first called them the Duda, D-O-U-D-O. Well, okay, and you don't hear it much anymore, but I think everybody knows what it means if somebody calls you a dodo. Yeah. Now, that leads us to Dunderhead, and we're not quite sure where that comes from. The OED is a bit puzzled by it. Um, it notes that there was a Dutch word for a kind of gun that was called a donderbus. Mm-hmm and got changed to blunderbuss. So they're thinking maybe dunder has something to do with blunder. Hmm, I see. That's just a guess, and nobody knows for sure, but uh, that's a very 19th century popular term, a dunderhead is somebody who's stupid. Yes, and if you use it contemporarily, there's a bit of humor attached to it. It's so divorced from its insulting side. Um, I'm trying to think of the humorist. Is it Monty Python favor this one or something? Calling somebody a dunderhead is a uh, a light way of insulting their intelligence. Huh. It's not a severe insult. One that I remembered specifically from Mark Twain is chucklehead. <laughs> I didn't do extensive research on this, but as far as I can tell, he invented it. Um, and I don't know particularly what he had in mind, whether it's a person so stupid they make you chuckle or... Uh, there's some other thing, but it certainly is colorful language. Uh, knucklehead uh, is much more modern, and I was surprised to learn it was first used, uh, first known use in 1942, the year I was born. So knuckleheads are the same age as me. I belong to the knucklehead generation. Not the greatest generation. <laughs> okay, the knucklehead generation. Knuckles, I think, uh, I didn't see an official explanation, but to me, suggests knuckles are not as sophisticated as fingers. You know, they're not doing all the smart stuff. And they're blunt and they're bony, which associates with bonehead, which is another common expression of this guy. Now, if I'm not mistaken, knucklehead has never been a severe insult. No. I think of these old movies, you know, ah, you knucklehead, or, or the Three Stooges or something. Three Stooges, right away. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Love to call one another knucklehead. Yeah. Um, numbskull, which would mean uh, literally numb, that is uh, without feeling, therefore without sense, therefore without intelligence. Uh, I was amused by the earliest spelling that's found from 1697, N-U-M-P-S-C-U-L-L. Numbskull. Uh-huh. So. That's interesting. And let's go on to Lunkhead. Did we talk about Lunkhead? No, Lunkhead, that's also a Twainism. And it's first used in Huckleberry Finn. And I don't know if you remember the episode of the two tramps that uh, try to put on a, a Shakespeare play. Uh, 
it doesn't go over well in Arkansas. <laughs> and this guy who calls himself a Duke, he says, so the Duke said these Arkansas lunkheads couldn't come up to Shakespeare. <laughs> and the guess is that Twain was using lunk to mean something like lump. Yeah, well, that's another good Twain word. Um, what about Nimrod? That one, I, I ran into that many years ago, and, and you find it occasionally. I associate it with youth slang, although it's actually kind of learned. Um, so this is American slang for numbskull, Nimrod. And I think it's, it's just sort of a pretentious, um, almost a euphemism for numbskull. Um, but originally, Nimrod was the name of a Mesopotamian war god. Then the Jews adopted the name for the grandson of Noah, who is the supposed founder of the Babylonian dynasty, and he is described in Genesis 10:9 as a mighty hunter before the Lord. So a Nimrod is traditionally a hunter, specifically. Hmm. The earliest meaning it was as a common noun in English rather than as a name of a person was for a tyrant, somebody who rules over people, but then later any person who likes to hunt but usually mocking people, you know, he's, he's such a Nimrod goes out and thinks he's doing a great job shooting all these birds. And it got applied to uncouth and unsophisticated people. It's not till in the 1930s in America that it comes to mean a stupid or contemptible person. Mm. I still have this hunch that it's just a variation on the term numbskull. Numbskull. Right, so related to the head, numbskull, Nimrod. Yeah, one last one, which is pretty rare, and I don't think we hear it anymore, is ninny hammer, but I just kind of like the word. Um, a ninny is an old word for a stupid person. And why hammer? Uh, we don't really know, but the OED suggests that maybe it might have to do with hammer-headed. Now, I associate that with hammer-headed sharks. Mm -hmm. But if your head, uh, you know, is kind of a blunt instrument, a tool like a hammer, I suppose that would make sense. Or you're, you're thick-headed and pretty silly, uh, ninny. Well, ninny hammer, uh, I have to admit, is not in my active or passive vocabulary. <laughs> it's new to me. I had never heard that one before. Yeah, the stupid skier at Lillehammer was a ninny hammer. Yeah, but it's here you go. If someone calls you a ninny hammer, um, I don't think you could ever make the mistake. I think you would be able to get that meaning from context. I don't think that uh, that would ever be taken as a compliment, would it? Not at all. Yeah, I think the word ninny in there is a tip-off. Part of what's the problem with our modern discourse, of course, is that all these terms are being flung around to dismiss the other person's point of view. So instead of engaging in a debate saying, well, I grant you, that's one way of looking at it, but here's a, another way that I consider superior, maybe you'd like to think about these arguments, you just completely dismiss the viability of any argument your opposition might have by calling them stupid or idiotic. And that ends the debate. It makes the debate impossible, which is exactly what we see happening in Congress and, and more and more on Facebook and in other places as people become entrenched in their own positions. Yeah, and it becomes a sort of a question begging, not in the sense of uh, the way the phrase is normally used to beg the question, but it becomes question begging in the sense of um, 
well, uh, your argument is stupid because it's moronic and you're a moron. <laughs> That's about the level of discourse that you get. Yeah, most public debate on politics can be reduced these days to, you're stupid. No, you're stupid. And I would encourage people to listen to what other people have to say if they are not calling you a moron, <laughs> if they are not calling you stupid and an idiot. Um, I encourage people to listen to what people have to say if they are actually putting forward their points as legitimate arguments and um, not just slinging insults. The New York Times has recently begun uh, a daily listing of arguments from both sides and, and trying to give the opportunity to their readers at least to hear articulated in their own words at least two different sides of these various political debates, which I thought was kind of a nice gesture. Yeah. And uh, just to take it back to the health care bill, um, that may not be, at least in my opinion, that, that might not be the place to start with trying to glean the arguments because I, I think it's pretty universally understood to be that the health care bill as it's being proposed is a non-starter. But uh, there are many other points of debate within that that could be had. And uh, I'm sure we'll be having them moving forward. So get, let's get off of the idiot moron train and onto the more elevated discourse. Uh, I say that, but I don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> Actually, I think it'd be fun to start exploring some of the adjectives. Silly is an especially interesting word, so maybe we can talk about that. Let's talk about that another time. And speaking of adjectives, you have an entry in the Common Errors uh, book, Ignorant versus Stupid, and that's worth discussing too. Maybe we'll start with that one next time and move on from there. Okay. That would be smart. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Paul. So long, Tom. That's all for the podcast this week. As usual, you can send your comments and questions to commonerrorspodcast at gmail.com. If you want to support the podcast, buy the book. The Common Errors in English Usage book can be bought online at your favorite online seller at our website, wmjasco.com, with free shipping. Thanks for listening. <laughs>